Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back. I have got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Hello everybody and welcome to House of Champions. I'm stepping into the hot seat in place of Ian Joy this evening. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Nigel Riococo and Mike Lahoud as we pick through day four of the best of the World Cup action. Guys, great to be back on with you. How are you doing? Another day of great soccer action. Mike, good to see you. What's new? Uh, you know, it was a rough day for CONCACAF, but after watching Canada, it gives me a bit of hope, but uh, not the day to be for CONCACAF teams. Now, Nigel, how are you doing, my friend? It's uh, you, you, You've been a bit down on some of the CONCACAF teams so far, notably no. the USMNT. Not, <laughs> not, so, not so much Canada, but... Uh, you know, we did we did see the the, the Canucks unfortunately uh, fall to to Belgium in the in the final game of the day. How uh, how, how have you seen uh, today's action? I think for me, if uh, I was a Canadian national team manager, I'll be very proud. I'll be very very proud. I think that performance there is a performance of uh, great satisfaction. You know, uh, and and a very very bright future. And when you go into a game like that, JJ, there's not great expectancy. Let's be realistic about this. You know, they're seen as the underdog and they put in a fantastic performance. I think when we get more into it, obviously we can have our opinions and point of views, but that for me was a great performance by Canada. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, before we get into the thick of it, we do have 50 promo codes for a 30-day P-plus premium free trial to give away throughout the tournament. So like, subscribe, drop your Twitter handles in the chat to enter for every 100 likes we will give one of them away. So with no further ado, let's move into the analysis. And we will start with that Belgium against Canada game. Make sure to drop your comments in as well as you're watching this. We'd love to hear from you guys. Get your thoughts on Canada, unfortunately, going down 1-0. Now, Mike, I'm going to come to you first. You know, obviously heartbreaking in many ways because Canada did perform so well. You know, they they managed to go toe-to-toe with Belgium for, for the most part of it. You know, there were some questionable decisions, obviously, uh, you know, denied by Thibaut Courtois' brilliance, uh, you know, for that penalty. I'm not going to say it was the best spot kick I've ever seen from, uh, yeah. from Fonzie, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, a, you know, disappointing, but also, like Nigel said, at the same time, kind of, kind of heartening. It must be like quite conflicting uh, feelings for, for, for the CONCACAF contingent. This is a Canadian team that's unapologetic about how they play. This was a big part of their success. 
in CONCACAF qualification. They are end-to-end stuff, their ability to hit you on the counter. What I loved about them, they used one of their strengths, getting the ball forward to that dynamic front three, Alfonso Davies. I wasn't sure where he was going to start. Great decision to start him at that left wing back position to put him in this 3-4-3 system. But getting that ball forward to the likes of Tejon Buchanan and Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies with a free roll to underlap or overlap, it caused the Belgians a lot of troubles. And one of your Villa guys, Dendonker, not a natural center back. They went after him time and time again. It was just the final end product in the box that was missing on the PK. Jonathan David, why is he not taking that penalty kick? And Nigel, you mentioned in the group chat, and I think a bunch of us did. What was your take on that moment? I honestly can't answer that. I don't know. I think... Um, well, j- hold on, guys. Just to, just to add some context, I think if I recall correctly from seeing on Twitter, Jonathan David has taken, what, nine of 12 penalties successfully? That's a pretty, that's a good, <laughs> a pretty good return. Yeah. Considering that that was, what, Davies' first penalty, like uh, certainly for the Canadian national team. I was just going to say, look, I think for me, what makes me so happy about what I saw from Canada is I'm probably sure that they're the lowest ranked team in this FIFA World Cup this year. Just guessing that they're probably the lowest ranked team. They play Belgium, supposed to be the second ranked team in the world. That for me is no performance that Belgium, that Roberto Martinez can say he's proud of or happy with what he sees. That is a very poor performance by Belgium. But on the other hand, it was an incredible performance by Canada. I think that's what people have to understand. When you go younger, when people talk about youth and enthusiasm, the energy, the, the the lack of fear, just going after it, that's what we saw from Canada. But at the same time, I always say you have to have that balance. Experience mm-hmm. plays a big part. At times, against better teams, better oppositions, they'll be picked apart because you can see at times where they were vulnerable, but the enthusiasm that they showed, the energy the desire to close down, win the ball back, and also not just winning the ball back, but being comfortable in possession to pass and move that ball, showing a bit of arrogance, which is what I loved about it. I thought it was a great display by Canada. I really think they'll win more games than losing uh, more. And also what I liked is the aggression in, in, in pressing. They pressed high. They didn't sit back to show Belgium a tremendous amount of uh, respect, which we've seen before in this World Cup sometimes, underdog teams sitting back for the first 45 showing some uh, uh seen superior teams who are seen superior a bit of too much respect and then they get punished and then they grow into it in the second half and you feel if you had that same attitude and application in the first half you guys could have got a result and i think the reality of it you look at it as well is i always say this and for listeners listening goals change games trust different players that have been on the pitch regardless of how the game is going and flowing Goals can change the magnitude of a soccer match or football match in an instant. If Canada were to convert that penalty, I believe Canada would have gone on to win that game. The momentum, everything was in Canada's favour. And that is what we say about being clinical. And it's what we discussed and what you guys mentioned about Belgium. You talk about Courtois being one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And you also talk about Kevin De Bruyne. And I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I saw a very, very frustrated Kevin De Bruyne, and I don't. I know he doesn't believe this Belgian team are going to go far. They got the job done. They were professional, but Canada were all over them. And that's the thing about this Canada performance. It really was great. And I think they can take a lot of inspiration from it. It should also be a learning point in being more clinical at times when you get those opportunities and also being ready defensively, 
knowing the quality of opposition you're playing against, always alert, always alive, and not taking when the game's going in your favour and the momentum's with you, taking it for granted, always thinking about the danger. But that all comes with playing more games and playing with better players. Oh, definitely kudos to, to Canada for the performance. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But sticking with Belgium for, for a minute, Mike, hmm. Do we, do we have an argument here that Roberto Martinez is perhaps holding this team back? Because, yes, we know it's not the Belgium of uh, you know previous years. You know They had the golden generation. They had the opportunity, the shot at silverware. But it kind of feels like you know this, this talented group of players has kind of been wasted a little bit by not just Roberto Martinez now, but also Mark Vilmots. I mean, OK, you know, I guess we can sort of mitigate that argument by saying that, you know, Martinez had, has had some relative success with them, you know, given the run at the, the 2018 World Cup and all of that. But considering that, you know, this is a Belgian side that was talked up to win silverware, hasn't done so, and is putting in, you know, really pedestrian performances like this, not to take anything away from Canada, but, you know, kind of underwhelming performances given the, the the caliber of player that they have available to them. Do you think there's an argument to say that Belgium could be better, uh, you know, if they had somebody yeah. else, uh, you know, perhaps calling the shots? Well, I think it's really down to the player selection that's going on. That's what's holding Belgium back. Eden Hazard has passed it. This time at Real Madrid has been an absolute failure, and there's tons of reasons for that. His diet, his attitude, and really his focus on the game. He's not the same Eden Hazard that we've seen just absolutely dominate the English Premier League. And once he went to Madrid, got the big money move, that held him back. And hey, football is a business at the end of the day, so make your money, but you still have to perform. When it comes to the Belgian national team, there is a new generation of players. I think of Trossard at Brighton having an amazing start to the season. Those players are ready to step in and start. Onana as well. When he came in, his ability to cover ground, his physical prowess matched up much better than Yuri Tillemans. Yuri Tillemans is about to be a meme at this World Cup because Alfonso Davies put him on skates. He will forever be remembered in that first game for being on the floor. Hopefully he can redeem that. I have full confidence in him because he's a good footballer. But there are players waiting in this Belgium ranks that I think are a better fit for where the national team really is at right now. It's been a, a bit of a lack of pro uh, progression, Michael, I think. And, and you're right to a certain degree, but still the talent that they have there. Belgium's biggest problem is really defensively. That is their biggest problem. That defence is so vulnerable. And for me, just lacklustre. The way that Canada really pressed them, made them uncomfortable. And let's be all, Canada dominated that game, really and truly. If they were a bit more clinical, a bit more um, cute in the, the sense. And I felt at times, really, again, it's similar to what I saw in the game, in the Germany game. It's, again, Canada first time in the World Cup in how long. Some players have a bit of a selfish moment where that extra pass was on for a teammate who was in a better position. If they take that kind of calmness and composure in and think that we're going to win together. I don't have to score the goal to get the headlines in the paper in Canada and think about the team dynamic. There were moments where Canada had that spare man and could have really hurt Belgium. I think for me, Belgium, for me, it's not good enough. You can't protect Belgium. Regardless of them getting the win, they got the job done, so to speak, which everyone expected them to get the job done against Canada, let's be honest. But the performance, anyone who says that's a good Belgian performance and they can take a lot of confidence from that for when they face club or nations that they'll be judged against those top tier nations you don't know football if you're going to believe that 
Now, I feel a bit bad sort of suggesting this based on the back of that performance, but it's not been a great start to the World Cup for CONCACAF sides, Mike. Now, let's let's get into it. Is there is 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 this a crisis just yet for CONCACAF or do you think there are opportunities for the representatives to turn it around in the second round of games? I mean, I think we can yeah. certainly see that there's hope uh, for Canada. Uh, you know, I guess because you're on the show with Nigel and I, we're not going to write off the USMNT just yet. But uh, you know, some, some people might beg to differ with, their, with yeah. that opinion. But when you see Costa Rica just getting absolutely I mean, destroyed, pulverized yeah. by <laughs> Spain, uh, you know, Mexico as well, you know, kind of sort of laboring to that draw against uh, Poland, doesn't fill you with confidence that anyone might get to the knockout phase. I mean, if we're feeling yeah. most confidence about Canada and they've lost, it's, uh, yeah, kind of feels a bit bleak, no? I think the expectations for CONCACAF is underwhelming outside of CONCACAF. These are CONCACAF teams that believe within themselves. I look at the U S men's national team. They're going to favor the fact that the expectations are low and they're going to relish becoming the dark horses of their respective groups. Look at the U S MNT getting a draw against Wales. The group is not done. I don't care what anyone says. You still have to play the match against England and England still have a match against Wales. I think that is going to be a massive, massive, game for the Welsh on the final group day. Mike, you- if England beat USA, job <laughs> It's done. not so done, what, What's the Wales match going to do with it? England beat Wales, England done. beat America, job done. It's not <laughs> Killer instincts. done. You, you, if you they were beat asking USA, a Wales team. Six points. Most you were asking a Wales team in that final day, you're asking a Wales team to go and break down an Iranian team who will not be the same Iranian team that showed up against England. I can guarantee you that. That that game is done and dusted. If Wales think they're going to show up and Iran are going to just wilt and keel over, it's not going to happen. They're going to end up on the wrong side of a result. That That, that is a one-off from this Iranian team, who is one of the, the most resolute defenses coming into the World Cup. And they have a lot of off-field issues, and it's gonna it, it was always going to weigh down on those players. For CONCACAF, Costa Rica aside, because we're going to get into that, that was embarrassing. It was humiliating from start to finish. The rest of CONCACAF... I still think that's a lot to play for. I think it would be too harsh to write every single team off. For Mexico, yesterday no we were talking – Well, JJ's is writing off USA. Like, let's be realistic. <laughs> From what we've seen – You know what, Nigel? You take it. What we've seen, Mexico is a great side. Mexico just missing that number nine. You can't write Mexico off. The performance – I'm just going on the performances that we've seen. Let's be – Canada, for me, performed better than USA did against Wales. That's just my honest opinion. When I saw that, I saw a lot more positives, whether you're a manager or a coach. When you look at that Canada performance, there's a lot more you can work on with Canada and a lot more you can have a positive outlook than the performance I saw by USA against Wales. Mexico, for me, have surprised all of us because they've turned on. It's the World Cup, like we said, they've just turned on out of nowhere. If they can put the ball into the back of the net once or twice, get their confidence up, Mexico are dangerous. They've always been dangerous and they've always been fighters and their performance was fantastic. For me right now, Mike, it's just the USA that just haven't really put on a performance where you can say, yeah, 45 minutes. I'll give them 45 minutes against Wales. They were great 45 minutes. 45 minutes is not good enough. Our fighting talk from uh, from from Ivan Uribe in the uh, in the in the comments. Keep those comments coming in. Everyone We've got a regular <laughs> commenter as well, Matt uh, Osman. There. Well, there you go. You've got Ivan saying uh, Mexico, Canada, USMNT will dominate, and then Matt saying, "I'm sorry, Come Mike, on, but I'm with Nigel here. England are going to maul us on Friday." See, there's there's pessimism leaking in already. Like you said, we're we're not going to get into our post mortem of Costa Rica just yet. We're still sticking 
in Canada's group. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to the other game in this group. We won't have to uh, touch on it for too long because Morocco-Croatia was ultimately uh, a goalless draw. There's some news coming out since the, the final whistle of that game that Ashraf, Ashraf Hakimi might have picked up a thigh issue. That could be problematic for, for Morocco, but Morocco will be buoyed by this result because it's, I mean, it's a draw, but it must feel sort of like a win for them really against going up against a Croatia side with that fantastic midfield. Yes, we spoke uh, at length earlier today about the lack of a goal scorer, a fixed goal scorer in that Croatian side. But Nigel, surely that counts as a good result for, for Morocco. Definitely. I would say that Morocco would feel that that's three points for them. But now the problem is, was it worth it now when you lose your talisman? Because he was absolutely sensational today, Hakimi. And I think um, he could be a big loss for them. Really big loss. I feel that he's, he's very influential for them. And um, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. Because when you've got players like that, especially in the defensive end of being able to, to attack as well, but you just know that he's one of those players that can do it all. It's a big loss. It's going to be a big loss. And I think a few players on that team will lose a little bit of confidence. But it's a great point with how this game can go. And again, I think the danger thing about it for me, James and, and uh, Mike, is... Canada have to play Croatia next. Now, I look at Croatia, I already know they're a better team than Belgium. Yes, it wasn't a great game today, but if you look at the technical aspect of Croatia, how they played, how they manoeuvre that ball, the football intelligence the players play with, Luka Modric, with his experience and quality that he has, he will unlock that Canadian defence with ease. And I think that the enthusiasm they showed today against Belgium is how I would want them to play but you've got to be cautious. You cannot do that same enthusiasm getting forward against Croatia because they will pick you apart with the quality players that they have and the great football intelligence. I think there's a lot more danger in the Croatia team than there is in that Belgian team. So I think that could be a real tough one. Are you one. serious? Are you, do you really just say Mike, that? Mike, I'm saying that. Did you Did watch you, Modric today? Mate, Even race, though it wasn't race, the greatest of games. I want to like, see what glass of wine you're drinking. Because that, 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 that is spikes <laughs> wine. Is, there is no way you just After said that. Sunday, you're probably going to dr- down about four bottles of wine. After Friday, we're going to see if you make it to Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I was I was with you. I was I was bobbing and weaving. Listen, you know, it's almost like listening to my favorite song, like hip-hop, hooray. And then you said that, and the song went, over, over. no chance are you saying that Croatia has a bit more going forward. That is one of Croatia's biggest issues, is who's going to score the goals? Mike. Who's going to no, score the goals? You look Mike, at that Mike, front line of them. I who's going to score the goals? I said... Croatia with Modric and the players they have, with the, the, the experience they've got, they will pick apart this young Canadian team. You cannot play the same way you did against Belgium today with Croatia. You can't think, do it. And I think, I think Canada will learn from that. I think Canada will learn from that. This was a game where use that youthful exuberance, use all the nerves and game, just yes. pour it into that Belgian game. I think Canada will reassess this. This is a Canadian national team who has two ways to play. What we saw is this all-action display, and credit to John Herdman of saying to his team, go out and show the world what Canadian soccer is about, that we're not just here to be accounted for and to participate, we're here to compete. And I think they showed the entire world that. Another way that Canada was successful against the U.S. men's national team, against Mexico, they are very effective at sitting in and absorbing pressure frustrating uh, Croatian national team who, when they don't have players in the pockets, Luka Modric will drop deeper to get on the ball. Brozovic wants to get deeper. They don't like playing under pressure. Maybe Modric does. Mateo Kovacic is probably that one player who can ride a tackle and get 
something out of midfield. But when they get into the final third, then what? Kramerich is not he's not an out-and-out out goal scorer. I think that if they have the likes of a Bruno Pektovic, I think he matches up physically with Canada's back line, and then you can maybe move Kramerich out wide and have him running off. You don't think Kramerich is going to cause problems? Uh, I think Perisic I is going to cause problems. I, I, Perisic is going to cross the ball into Kramerich, who's what, 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, he's going to come in the back post. That's all. I, listen, all I'm saying is, from my from visualizing and watching that game, Mike, I'm telling you, you've got to look at the way that Croatia played. Yes, people are talking it's a boring game against Morocco. It's a nil-nil draw. Give credit to Morocco. Morocco are a yeah. very good team. We saw Morocco's enthusiasm. Morocco's enthusiasm, athleticism, and the skill and the caliber that they have as well. They're going to cause problems. That there is two great teams, well-coached, who snuffed each other out. I feel for me, those two teams are the best teams in this group from what I saw that performance. I would back Morocco and Croatia as the better teams in the tournament. You cannot, I can't even put Belgium in that. With the performance that Morocco, if, if Morocco and Croatia can match the same performance they put against each other, they will beat Canada and they will beat Belgium. Both of them. Uh, here's, here's a poser for you, Nigel. We've got a, a question that's been put specifically to you. Who's the better midfielder, Kevin De Bruyne or Luka Modric? I'll go with Luka Modric. Luka Modric for me is the better midfielder. But out of those two, the better midfielder out of those two for me is Valverde right now in world football. JJ. Oh, I think Mike care to uh care to agree, disagree. I love Luka Modric, man. This man is defying age. But put some respect on KDB's name, man. He sent me to bed with nightmares with what he does in the Premier League. And again, just ask me a question. Modric guy... is like fine wine. Did you see how graceful he is Mate, on the football pitch? He Kevin is phenomenal. I'm not saying Kevin De Bruyne is Premier League player of the year. Oh my god. Like this guy is a game changer. Oh, Modric, I'm sorry, Modric isn't JJ. Apparently, Modric is not a game. Well, changer. This, this is why this is why we call it House of Champions. We've got both of you championing your causes <laughs> for the for the different players. So great to great to see. And uh, let's uh, let, let's tie up uh, tie a bow around uh, Group F. So the way we're looking at it at the moment, Belgium top on three points, Croatia, Morocco, uh, second and third with one point apiece, Canada bottom with zero. But you know, a bit of sort of mixed messages in the chat. Some people feeling a bit pessimistic about Canada's chances. Some people feel Boyd and, and and think that they could get the draw against Croatia and then perhaps go for the win in the final game against Morocco. We will see how that one plays out. Now we're going to take a quick break and after that we're going to come back. We're going to recap what was an awful day at the office for Costa Rica. We've got uh, Japan shocking Germany as well in one of the great stories so far this World Cup and a lot more as we look forward to Thursday's action ahead of Thanksgiving Day. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm joined by Nigel Riokoka, Mike Lahoud, and we are picking through day four of the World Cup in Qatar at the moment. Now, if you're an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, unlike Nigel Riokoka, make sure to check out another great pod in the CBS Sports podcast family. In Soccer We Trust, former US MNT stars Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and Charlie Davies previewing and reacting to every US game with a perspective that only they can offer. So download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere that you can get your hands on it now guys let's get straight into it because this one was absolutely brutal i don't recall such a one-sided world cup match in a long long time and of course i'm talking about spain sticking seven past costa rica it was a chastening experience to say the least and that was just for me watching it i was live blogging the game as it happened it was yeah, it, it was brutal, Mike. Surely that's the only way to describe it. You know, everything that we kind of hoped wouldn't wouldn't happen for, for, for Los Ticos came to came to pass. You know, Kaylon Navas looked geriatric. Everybody out there looked just so far off the pace. It was unbelievable. JJ, um, can you call me back after this discussion, please? I absolutely didn't learn anything. I could just go and have a few shots of tequila before I come back. You're going you to learn a couple more guys that Mike is on first name. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let Mike go. I'm just going to say this. To everyone listening, all the fans who've got listening, <laughs> tune in. This is not me, my moment, but this is your moment. Please send your messages and comments and tell me what you guys learned from Spain today. Because I didn't learn nothing from that performance. I want to see what people feel they I learned. Mean, from you learn, you learn that they can score if their opponents are as bad as Costa Rica was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think one thing we, we can all agree on is Costa Rica, they should have stayed at home. I mean, this was embarrassing. Uh, yes, you can get outbeat, out, like just outfought, outfought, but just the mentality, the effort wasn't there. You saw players watching, standing in transition. I thought it was laughable. I thought they were woeful all over the place, especially on the right hand side between Fuller and Martinez. Fuller wasn't even jogging back. They showed up in a 4 4 2. And before this, they'd played a back five. You are inviting just the worst of the worst of beatings. The only positive thing I take from this is that they scored more goals than the English did. And that, that's a big win for me. They scored more goals for the English because I don't want to hear it on this pod with you English, you two in particular, and James Bench, I'm going to add him to the list, talking, we put six. The Spaniards, they put a touchdown and extra point, so kudos to them. I never said that to you, so you can let the fans know and the people listening that I've never said that comment to you, okay? <laughs> never said anything. <laughs> All right. So one for one for Nigel, because to 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 be fair, I mean, I can I can see your point. You know, we can't, I guess, judge Spain's potential title credentials based on a performance like that, given that it was so one sided. But we did ask at the beginning of the tournament, where are the goals going to come from from Spain? Suddenly we've got seven answers, uh, you know. You know, is this? Uh, it's certainly too early to say. Yeah, you know, Spain are, are potential contenders. But if you look at the way that this has, sh has shaken the group up, because you know we were kind of expecting it to maybe be a tight uh, encounter between them. Suddenly, Spain go and blow them away. Uh, you know, Japan beating Germany—that's really, really opened up this group for somebody unexpected to potentially drop out. Surely. Yes, um, JJ. For me, honestly, I learned absolutely nothing about Spain from this. It's like being back in school for you then. No, I'm actually a very good student <laughs> at school. I left with all my GCSEs. Anyway, I learned nothing about Spain, honestly. And I think it was just because Costa Rica was so lackluster, so ineffective and so uninterested in a World Cup opener. I've never seen anything like that. And Costa Rica do come 
with a bit of a reputation where they're not an easy team to beat. Costa Rica have always been a difficult, dogged team to beat. Very hard. They work their socks off. They fight. You know, they make it difficult for you. They did not make it difficult for Spain. And I don't think that anyone, even who's Spanish, can say that they've learned something about this Spanish national side. You can only really judge Spain when they play against the Japan and obviously against Germany. But for me, this has let, left this group open. And I'd have to say now, after that emphatic win, that you would say Spain will definitely get through to the next round. But how far they'll go in this competition, I still don't feel it's that far. I think it's a, it's a very young team. I think when they come up against a well-balanced, experienced and youthful side as well, with attacking threats, with pace. Because remember, Rodri played centre-back. Mm. Rodri played centre-back, who normally plays centre-midfield for Manchester City. Now, yes, I know Rodri's six foot four, whatever it is, but he's not the most athletic to get around. And any real bit of pace around him or quick side movements down him, he'll find himself in some problems. So until they get tested at that level and that calibre, I haven't learned nothing about Spain. And uh, I think I'm probably going to drink more wine after this. Mm -mm. I see your wine and up it with some sangria. And we know that Lucha Garcia is definitely drinking sangria, probably making his way to Ibiza right now to celebrate this win because he should. This was a big performance for a lot of the attackers for Spain. In the preview show this morning, the morning update, I said that keep an eye on the two wide players. And I know you spilled the sangria as I said that. <laughs> keep an eye on the two wide players for Spain. Danny Olmo, big game for him. Hasn't played a ton of minutes for RB Leipzig. Due to injuries, due to form, he gets goals. Ferran Torres, massive for him to get goals because he's been inconsistent with Barcelona. Marco Sensio getting goals as a false nine. And really, it shows Spain that not only can you have wide players that produce, but some of the guys coming off the bench, I think of Balde, his surging runs, this youthful exuberance of the Spanish national team, you're, you're just really show, seeing this sense of confidence that these young players can have. And you have to play who's in front of you. Mike, not, I'm Mike just, I'm I find it hard. Tonight. I'm almost close to done. I'm almost oh, close no, to done. Let me just round this out, and then you can hammer me. I promise. I'm going to hammer you. No, but, but the, the biggest player who I, I think benefited from a game like this and needed this, Alvaro Morata. To see him get that goal, he's been the scapegoat for a lot of the Spanish national team's inconsistent success. And he was a scapegoat for their World Cup or their, their Euro run, excuse me, last time out. And to see him come off the bench, and they, they said in the press that he didn't start because he had a cold, but to see him come off the bench and get a goal and an assist, it's going to do wonders for his confidence because strikers, they need to get in that just run of goal scoring form to boost their confidence. I just think for me, Mike, I, I understand what you're saying, but I just find it too hard to give Spain credit when you look at Costa Rica's performance. And I understand these players are young, it's young and enthusiastic. Michael, these guys are playing for Barcelona, Real Madrid and some of the top and biggest clubs in world football. They're playing domestically and playing Champions League. So they know about pressure. They know about playing against the best of the best. That for me was not like playing against the best of the best for me that performance doesn't really show me anything different because these kids have not just made five or six appearances. Like they've played a lot of games already for top clubs in Europe. I did not learn anything about Spain and I find it hard to really judge them or say anything great about them until I see a test against Germany. Now Germany is going to be a test for them. Japan is going to be a test for them. That's when we can kind of really see where Spain are at. But for me, that performance today, there was it. There's a great stat we have here by um, our producer, Lisa, Spain completed a thousand passes. Oof. Costa Rica completed 168 in a World Cup opener. 
That's pretty bad. Yeah, it was. It was a you know, it was, it was a, an absolute beatdown. And uh, I think the the most impressive thing about uh, you know that Spain passing stat is the fact that over half uh, of those thousand passes actually completed in the first half. That's a record mm. for a World Cup game at any stage of the tournament at any time. So that includes the golden Spanish generation that basically mm. brought Tiki Taka to you know to the to the mainstream. So I think that that in itself was quite impressive. I was really impressed by the way that Pedri started the game in the first half. I thought that yeah. Gabby had a really good game as well. So there were some sort of individual performances that I think do warrant praise. Uh you know, but uh certainly some interesting comments uh you know pouring into the chat about uh you know how you know, Costa Rica just didn't, uh, you know, compete with Spain at all. Uh, couldn't handle the the tiki taka style. <laughs> lost in a forest at times. Not not untrue. That's a that's a yeah. fair comment. From, no, he's uh, from right. Listen, JJ, if you yes, watch that game, passes. if you watch that game, everyone has to be honest. They, that was it. Wasn't competitive from Costa Rica. No. That's it. And these young players, I know people might think I'm being a bit harsh. These young players are doing what you expect them to do. That's just the reality of coming through in Europe. So it's not trying to sugarcoat it. This isn't no participation trophy generation. This is what comes with representing Barcelona and all these big clubs. Like they're doing what's expected from them. And I just don't think they're going to gain anything by not being tested. That was a really good uh, point there as well that just popped up in the comments that Costa Rica do have previous of, of not performing that well in the World Cup. 1990 against Brazil, uh, you know, suffered a, a similar humiliation. But also at the same time, we can't forget their run to the quarterfinals in 2014. 2014. And it feels feels like this kind of performance, because there's so many of those players still present in the team, kind of undoes a bit of the, the memory around that, surely, Mike? Yeah, it's time. Ya está tiempo, as they say, it's time. Get the old guys out. It's time for a rebuild. When you look through the roster down the spine of the team, and you mentioned this, JJ, this morning, the fact that Kaylor Navas hasn't been getting minutes, solid minutes. Kaylor Navas of the past was getting Champions League minutes with Real Madrid, and those quality minutes matter if you are going to be a Costa Rica side that absorb pressure. You need your goalkeeper at his absolute best, and the rust and dust really showed itself. Celso Borges, I said this guy was Benjamin Button, you know, just still playing around. This guy's the reverse Benjamin Button. You could see his bones breaking, trying to run around, chasing the likes of Gavi, Pedri. It was embarrassing. It was just absolute embarrassment. The fact that you have Brian Ruiz, who, congrats to him, I think he made his 145th cap. Gosh, that 49th, should be... 49th, no? 49th? Well, it's 140-something. Yeah. That's incredible. The, the fact that you even have a player like that, who is well past his time, surely there's enough talent in the domestic league to start getting young players through the ranks and playing them. Well, I certainly need some sort of reaction from Costa Rica in their two final games in this World Cup because it doesn't seem like they'll be getting any more. But somebody who may well find themselves in the knockout phase could be Japan after their surprise win over Germany. Let's get into that one. Nigel, you uh, you were raving earlier today about uh, you know how these results really make the, the the World Cup for you. Is this is this one of your standout moments of the, the tournament so far, along with uh, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina? It's another standout moment. And the reason why for us fantastic football fans we, hear, we have here and Michael, who all of a sudden now has become the controller of father time, <laughs> telling people when they should pack it up, which it's just mind boggling to me. Anyway, um, the reason why that performance, for me, it's just the fact of Japan beating Germany. You know, that is massive in itself. And I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for Japan and also South Korea. They're fantastic nations who produce top quality players, great technically, great football players. Both countries have developed so much 
the footballing generation that coming through constantly now that they've got it down to a fine blueprint, they're always going to produce talent. They're always going to be competitive. But what is what we're going to look at as well is this now, JJ. That win there in this group of death already makes that Germany and Spain game become unbelievable to see TV. Like you have to watch that game now. There is so much on the line on that game. And that's just because of Japan getting the win. Because if Spain won and Germany won, how watchable is that game? Not as much, but now there's so much on the line. Rafa Rafa is certainly on the same wavelength as you. He says that Germany against Spain is going to be fire. Mike, is that the one for you that where, you know, there could be a potential giant that falls out of contention in in this group? Because the stakes are massively high now for Germany after after that defeat to Japan. We were saying earlier uh, in the day uh, when we were picking through the game with a fine tooth comb, Germany didn't actually perform that badly. But no. suddenly now they seem to be in a in a high pressure situation. I, I, I still think there's plenty to take for this German team moving forward. I still expect them to get out of the group. The quality that they they still have within their ranks is one thing you have to note. Look at the players that did not even take that much part in this game. Goretzka not getting as much minutes coming off the bench. Leroy Sané, this guy's been in fuego for Bayern Munich, not really being a factor if. I can't remember if he came off the bench or not, but the fact that a guy like that... He's injured, I think, for this game. Injured? Well, geez, there goes my point out the window along with Costa Rica. But (laughs) I still think there's quality in this German national side. The the fact that they created... I mean, they they had 20-something shots, and it was the second goal that was missing. If they would have gone and laid an absolute egg and not created anything, then I'm absolutely worried. I do agree that that Spain-Germany game is going to be one to watch, but I've always circled that Spain-Japan game. This Japanese team is something serious, and I think this game, Germany fell into a trap where they they got into a lull. Japan wasn't creating much. They were playing right into Germany's hands, and then uh, just a stroke of tactical masterclass from their manager, bringing in players. I mean, look through their ranks. They have Yoshida, captain of Schalke, down their spine. They have players. Asano coming off the bench plays for Bochum. You have Doan who plays in the German's Bundesliga. Endo plays for Stuttgart, captain of Stuttgart. You have leaders within your ranks that know the league, that know these, these Germany players play against them week in and week out. And there was a fearlessness about them and that changed the game. So kudos to you, Japan. And I'm Samurai Blue all the way. One of my 99 teams that I root for now. Why is I think so many of you on this pod always changing teams? Like so many of you, like you can't be loyal to nothing. Like if you don't stand, for, if you don't stand for something, you know you're gonna fall for everything. That's Ian, hmm. Michael. I can't say JJ because JJ keeps it. Just you and you ben. and Ian. Yeah, Ben. Ben's ben, ben is, ben is a real. Be, one, being yeah. a being a Villa fan, you can't can't accuse me of being a glory supporter because there's got to be some <laughs> glory for that. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you look at this, when you look at the possession stats, for example, you know, nearly 74% of the ball for Germany, 26% for Japan. Mm. It's crazy to see the Germans getting beaten at efficiency by a different country. But, uh, you know, that's that's what this World Cup is giving us at the moment. Unexpected twists and uh, and turns, uh, you know, and this r- Japan result really has, uh, you know, put the, the cat amongst the pigeons, so to speak, in uh, in that group. Now, let's move on. We do have a lot of action to look forward to in Group G and Group H coming up on uh, on Thursday. Now, first of all, let's get to Group G. This, this feels like the moment that so many people have been waiting for at this World Cup to see this Brazilian team in action for the first time. Everybody's been raving about Neymar in the build-up. I myself have been doing it. Nigel's been doing it as well. 
is there a risk now after what we've seen in the first couple of round, uh, first couple of games, Nigel, where Brazil actually fall on their face? Maybe there's a bit of early pressure to to live up to these expectations because we saw that happen to Argentina against Saudi Arabia. Is there a danger for Brazil because they're going up against Serbia? And let's, you know, with with all due respect to Saudi Arabia and what they achieved, it was a phenomenal performance, a phenomenal result for Hervé Renard and his players, but. This Serbia side, in terms of the individual quality that they boast compared to Saudi Arabia, it's it's a whole different ball game. Is there a risk of an upset here? JJ, there's always a risk. This is why we love football. And there's always a risk because we've seen what Saudi Arabia did. We see what Japan did to Germany. There's always a risk. But I feel for me, I have not seen a more concentrated and dedicated Brazil team than this squad right here. And the other thing when I look at Brazil right now as well is just my perspective from from the manager is he's going for this world cup they're going for this world cup they've got nine attacking players they're not coming here to sit back and and uh relax they're coming here to play the old school brazilian way score more goals than you not really too interested in defending but they've got top class defenders michael's gonna say yes they're questioning at fullbacks their fullbacks ain't that great we can question the fullbacks no problem question the fullbacks but when they're scoring more goals than you and when you you're, you're conceding four or five goals and you're starting to lose confidence and belief, Brazil's still going to win that game. I think everyone is eager to see how Brazil perform. And I think what's good as well is, because they've seen these results, mm, it's going yeah. to even be more of an advantage for Brazil because they haven't played and been the one that's been shocked. They've seen what these other nations are doing. So it's going to be a bit more of an edge and cautious to them now that, yes, we're good. Yes, we're the favourites, but we could still lose unless we apply ourselves correctly. I think right now this World Cup, the stars could be a line for Neymar to finally leave his true legacy because you know more than us, JJ. You've seen him and he's formed for Paris Saint-Germain. has been absolutely sensational. He's got tunnel vision. There's no drinking. That means no booze, no birds, no strip clubs, no nightclubs. <laughs> he's going to be in his hotel, playing his Xbox. He's ready for this. Uh, hopefully he'll be at a book club to keep him focused because that's all he needs studying the game. I love what you said, Nige. I think the mentality. This is a Brazil team that is ruthless. When they get one, they get many more goals. One becomes three in a flash. Against this Serbian team, Serbia, they're unified in a way I, I haven't seen before. You have talent. You have Milinkovic Savage leading Syria in assist, mind you, a player I'm very high on. I'm not going to talk about Lazio because I've been the kiss of death for his Lazio team, so I'm not going to try and do that with Serbia. Dusan Tadic, captain of Ajax, he's been very good the last couple seasons. Those will be the two creators for Serbia. And up front, what Vlahovic hasn't done for Juventus this season, he has been doing for Serbia, playing alongside the very inform and the very good Mitrovic, who plays for Fulham. And Mitrovic, he is a handful if you take him lightly. Brazil, though, I think they have too much quality in the end, and I think they will get the result. Well, definitely uh, a lot to look forward to on, on the docket for tomorrow. You've got Switzerland, Cameroon, which is you know quite an underrated game as well in terms of the quality of both squads. We've got Uruguay and South Korea as well. But the other one uh, you know, that I've got my eye trained on and I definitely want to hit on before we uh, wrap it up tonight, uh, Portugal against Ghana. Now, obviously, this is going to be a game where so much of the headlines have already been written by Cristiano Ronaldo, now a free agent because of everything that's happened. You know, is I'm going to come to you first, Mike, because I know how how much you love to to hit on CR7 as a topic. Is there a danger that he has overshadowed Portugal's build up to this World Cup so much so 
that they come in and just totally flop because so much of the the emphasis, you know, that all the talk has been about Ronaldo, not Ronaldo, what he might do at this World Cup with Portugal, but Ronaldo and what he's done to, you know, make a mess of things at Old Trafford, which has resulted in him, uh, you know, basically parting ways with the club uh, and being kicked out uh, just a couple of days before this tournament gets underway for them. Absolutely. Cristiano Ronaldo has gone out, set out his stall to make this World Cup, to make this entire season, to make football all about himself. It's one of those things with a striker or superstar, that sense of selfishness in the box when it's used for good, when it's used in big moments, it can be a game changer. And Nigel, you and I have played with strikers who are very selfish. It's kind of part of being a striker and the DNA of a striker when it's used for good, when it's used in those monumental moments, that sense of arrogance to step up and put your team on the back. It is the stuff of gold dust. But when you have this sort of calamity, the interview with Pierce Morgan was a joke. I'm really still salty about that, and I hope to put that saltiness away once the ball is kicked for Portugal. What I like about this Portugal team, they are more than Cristiano Ronaldo. They are not Ronaldo-reliant. They showed that leading up to this World Cup, getting a blowout win. Bruno Fernandes, what he does for United, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't play. He thrives, thrived in that game. One player that I'm looking at, and I hope he starts, in the lead-up to the World Cup, Portugal opted to play a diamond in midfield. Actually, two players, young players. Zhao Felix, I think, is a massive World Cup for him. Could it be the type of game and the type of World Cup group that secures him a move away from Atleti? I think that's on the cards. And also, Rafa Leal. Nigel Coker, folks, has a love-hate relationship with this kid. One week, he loves him. The next week, when he goes to check no, no, Stanford no, no. Bridge, he hates him. I have him. high expectations. Yeah, okay. Standards are high. Stand- Premier League standards are high. No, no you're going to jump that. in on that? Or are you, you, you going to give uh, right. the Ghanaian some love? No, Oh, yeah, Michael. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ghana. No, but oh, thank you. Well, Nigel, I'm going to leave Ghana like that. Hey, you know, I, I got I to gotta save the best for last. This is going to be a very difficult game for Ghana. Look at how they got here. They got here really on a, on a deflected goal from, was it Thomas Partey? From distance, kind of a, a flash pan moment for them. This is a Ghanaian team, though, that is built to defend, and they will have to defend for their lives. They will try and hit on the counter. Lo- low- lowest ranked team in the tournament. We had this debate yes. earlier on the show, it's, and uh, it, it actually official. turns out that Ghana are the lowest ranked. Yeah, but what I like about this Ghanaian team is they've gone out and gotten players of Ghanaian heritage, none bigger than Inyaki Williams. I love this guy. This guy is the Barcelona killer. He is so deadly on the counter, and he will have to come up with some magical moments. Also, big shout-out to Ajax's Mohamed Kudus. We see him week in and week out in the Champions League. He has been a revelation in the Eredivisie and for Ajax. He will have to be a revelation again for the Black Stars against Portugal. Well, Michael, I saw an interview by Kudus, which was actually quite entertaining for me. He says Mm. that... He is better than Neymar. It's just that Neymar is more um, well-known. So yeah, that he... is confidence for a young lad, but he's been fantastic form for Ajax. I think, again, it's really hard to go against some of these African nations, especially when you look at like Senegal and Ghana, because they, they, they are capable of springing a surprise. It re- they are so capable. Defensively, midfield, attacking-wise, they always have that creativity. And some people might call it raw, but they have the ability to make something out of nothing. The problem for me is application and just a full concentration for 90 plus minutes, knowing how to see out games, knowing how to basically control a game. And again, I think there's going to be elements of selfishness. I've seen it a bit in this World Cup, whether some players are trying to play for a move, like you said, Michael, where your teammate is in a better position than you, pass him the ball. 
you know, get well, that C- assist. C- instead C- of C- 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 playing for a move now. <laughs> he is, well, yeah. he's, he's playing for a move. And then uh, I think the MLS might be interested because they put that on one of the Fox broadcasts as well about Don Garber talking about him. But that would be interesting. Well, if you if really think Man United's really... facilities are bad, oh, can't wait to see what he thinks. If you, if you really want to break some news, uh, there, there was some news that broke earlier today about the, the suspension or the punishment that yeah. uh, has come Ronaldo's way for, for the incident at Everton where he hit the, uh, the, the fan's phone. And that ban actually applies uh, to any... Uh, league that is uh, governed by FIFA. So pretty much anywhere that he goes, he will suffer okay. from a suspension when he has to play his first few games. So that's probably going to be a bit of a rude awakening uh, for him. But anyway, guys, any last thoughts? Uh, you know, ahead of uh, tomorrow's slate of games, and then we'll uh, and then we'll head off. I think for me, JJ and Mike, I think mm. with what we've seen, performances by so-called underdogs and the results that we've yeah. seen, all our predictions and all our thoughts don't count for nothing because this is why we love football anything is possible and i'm just so excited to see how these teams come out we've got some great games tomorrow and we can really see i think probably everyone's looking for brazil to see how brazil look that's going to be the real statement game yeah i'm excited to see this samba sizzle from the brazilians this is the team i think everyone's been waiting for the disappointment of argentina increases the hopes and the high hopes for brazil but circle that Portugal-Ghana game, the CR7 debacle. Used to be the biggest fan of this guy. I want Ghana to put a five-star performance. Come on, you black stars. Come on. Five black stars indeed. So let's see uh, Let's see what tomorrow brings. Uh, I hope uh, for all you guys over there stateside, it's going to be a feast of soccer as well as the feast that you'll be enjoying on Thanksgiving. But that's all from us. Thanks so much for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. In fact, we're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. 